Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Strange Matters Podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss everything that is bizarre, mysterious, and unexplained. I am Sean, and I will be the host for this discussion. On today's episode, I will be starting a new series for the podcast, highlighting infamous serial killers from around the globe. Now, just a disclaimer before we start. Today, I will be speaking about a number of deranged killers and horrible crimes. I will try not to go into too much grisly detail, but just a warning nonetheless for those listeners with a weak stomach. With that said, today I will be focusing on speaking about serial killers that come from a certain area of the world. Specifically for this episode, I will be speaking about a few European serial killers. Now, of course, the most famous serial killers all seem to be American. I've seen countless comments and statements online made by people from across the world talking about how the U.S. has so many serial killers compared to everyone else. In fact, if you were to ask the average person in the civilized world to name the most serial killer they could think of, I'd wager most of them would probably state one of the well-known American murders like Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy. Now, you might get a few responses of killers from outside the U.S., like, of course, the infamous Jack the Ripper or the Russian psycho Andrei Chikatilo. And preparing for this episode, I did a simple Google image search with the phrase serial killers and was surprised with how far I had to scroll down before I found a killer who isn't from the U.S. Now, there are a number of reasons for this belief that the U.S. has the highest number and the worst serial killers found anywhere in the world. In my opinion, one of the main causes being the way the media works in this country. News and TV programs pretty much put these killers in the spotlight during their trials and turns them into semi-celebrities for their crimes. And this is pretty different than how these type of situations are handled elsewhere around the world from what I've heard and read from those in other countries. Because of how the media handles these men and the way American serial killers are so well known around the world, many may be surprised by the fact that if you go solely by victim count, of the 25 most prolific serial killers of all time, only three are from the United States. A lot of the worst monsters of men have resided in other countries, and their crimes sometimes make the American killers seem pale in comparison. So for this new series in the podcast, I wanted to present and discuss a number of serial killers from around the world, what their motives and crimes were, and how they compared to the well-known serial killers of the United States. So let's start with our first killer. The first serial killer of our discussion is Carl Denke from Germany. Carl Denke was a serial killer who was active in the early 1920s. Carl is known to have murdered at least 30 people, but is suspected of killing at least 42. Now, most of his victims were beggars, tramps, and journeymen who seemed unlikely to be missed. I actually first became aware of Carl when researching for my episode on the Hentrikaifek murders. And if you're not familiar with that mystery, it's where an entire family was brutally murdered in a small German farmstead, and to this day, still no one is completely certain of who did it. So I was looking for serial killers in Germany around the time in the 1920s who possibly could have done that, and Carl was at the top of the list. However, the timeline and the difference in his M.O. cleared him. For his early life, Carl Denke was born in 1870 in what is modern-day Poland. It is reported that he was a rather dull, unintelligent child. At the age of 12, he dropped out of school and ran away from home, beginning to work as a gardener's apprentice. Now, there is barely any record of his teenage and young adult life, so unfortunately it is pretty hard to know or estimate what caused him to turn into the violent man he would become, but to me, the fact that he stopped his schooling and ran away suggests that he probably didn't have the happiest of upbringings. However, on the outside, he must have been a friendly enough fellow as he was generally well-liked in his community. 
Now, once again, there isn't too much known about Carl's active killings, but it is pretty obvious that his killings went completely unnoticed by the police. Once again, as he mostly targeted vagabonds and travelers who wouldn't be missed or noticed around that area. However, all that changed when a neighbor saw a bloody and frightened man running from Carl's house. Soon enough, the police searched his place and found evidence of his crimes, and his reign of killing came to an end. Now, the local police that searched Denke's home found a nightmare. Body parts were found all over the place. Human flesh was stored in huge jars of curing salts. It is thought it possible that Carl Denke even sold some of this human meat to others. And that's a pretty disturbing thought to his neighbors probably wondering if they actually ate some human meat. Now, the popular theory, just because he had so much human meat around, was that Denke was a cannibal who ate some of his victims. But as there's no exact proof of this, and he would end up killing himself before confessing to these aspects of the crimes, this remains unknown. During investigations, the amount of bones and body parts collected at his apartment, it can be confirmed that at least 30 men and women were killed and dismembered by this man. The number of his victims can't be known for certain, but investigators discovered records that he had kept in a detailed ledger writing about those he had killed. In his ledger, he would point to the fact that he'd killed 42 people, but this number is still uncertain. It could be possible that he made up some of these ledger entries as fantasies and his victim count as less. On the other hand, it's also possible that he killed more than just what he wrote about, and the actual number of people he murdered is above 42. Unfortunately, we will never know for sure how many missing people at the time ended up being his victims. As for his legacy, Karl Denke is remembered by being the most prolific German serial killer of the modern age. As far as victim count goes, he is the 24th most prolific serial killer of all time. Also, the way that he collected and had trophies of human body parts around his house is reminiscent of some famous American serial killers that would follow later, such as Ed Gein and of course Jeffrey Dahmer. In fact, just when reading about how the police searched his house, it really reminded me of the raid on Dahmer's house in which they found body parts all over the place, skulls and bones laid out on display, and even severed heads in the freezer. And also like Dahmer, it is thought Carl was a cannibal who ate some of his victims. Now whether he was actually a cannibal or not is up to speculation, but regardless of that, Carl is still guilty of taking as many as 40 lives in a brutal fashion, making him one of the worst serial killers of all time. Now moving on to our second killer of this episode, we will be discussing Alexander Pachishkin from Russia, also known as the Chessboard Killer. Now Alexander Pachishkin was a Russian serial killer responsible for the deaths of at least 49 people, but could have killed as many as 60. He was nicknamed the Chessboard Killer as he once claimed that he would take a life for every square on a chessboard, and also the Bitsa Park Maniac, after an area where a good number of his victims were found. Now, in his early life, Alexander was remembered as a friendly and social child in his early years. However, all that changed after an accident involving falling off a swing and then getting hit in the forehead as it swung back. After this head trauma, Alexander was known to grow hostile and impulsive. Now, this is a trait that is actually fairly common between serial killers. A good number have experienced some kind of serious head trauma as a child. He was bullied by other kids after he had to be transferred to a special needs school and this torment causes rage of others to intensify even more. Now, Alexander's grandfather taught him to play chess, and this became a favorite hobby and a channel to escape his emotional problems. He became quite skilled at chess, playing exhibition games against others in Bitsa Park, a place where he would later carry out some of his crimes. Once his grandfather passed away, however, 
Alexander took it pretty hard and began to drink vodka regularly to help him cope. His urges for violence began to keep growing, until in 1992 he could no longer control himself. Alexander Petishkin committed his first murder in 1992 while he was still a student. The teenage Alexander pushed a little boy out of a window, leading to his death. Now the police did question him, but after finding no evidence or motive of foul play, the boy's death was ruled a suicide. Later in his life, Alexander would state in a quote, This first murder, it's like first love, it's unforgettable. After this initial killing, strangely enough, his violent urges lay dormant for nearly a decade, until once again in 2001, he truly began his spree of murder. At the beginning of his career as a serial killer, he mainly targeted homeless, elderly, or destitute men, gaining their confidence by promising them vodka and then luring them to a secluded area. After the men had had a few drinks and let their guard down, Alexander would violently erupt, smashing their heads in with a blunt weapon like a hammer or pipe. Numerous times, he would then jam the neck of the vodka bottle into the smashed skulls of his victim, a trait that would become one of his trademarks. To conceal the bodies, Alexander would often throw them into sewer pits. Autopsies later done on his victims showed that a few of them actually survived his brutal attacks, only to drown in the sewer. As the years passed, Alexander's savagery increased even more. His targets expanded to include men, women, and even children. His typical modus operandi was to sneak up on his victims and attack them from behind. Later on, he wouldn't even bother trying to conceal the bodies, just leaving his victims wherever he happened to murder them. Petrushkin was finally caught when he murdered one of his ex-co-workers in the spring of 2006, who would turn out to be his last victim. When her body was found in Bitsa Park, complete with Petrushkin's trademark injuries, a metro ticket found in her possession led authorities to review surveillance tapes footage from the Moscow metro system. Now, on the footage, the police saw the victim just hours before her death, walking on the platform accompanied by Alexander. He was soon arrested, and his killing spree finally came to an end. Experts at a psychiatric clinic known as the Serbersky Institute have found Petrushkin sane, but suffering from antisocial personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder, making him a true psychopath. In 2007, Alexander Petrushkin was convicted of 49 murders and 3 attempted murders, with the sentence being life in prison with the first 15 years being spent in solitary confinement. Now, a good number of Russian police believe that Alexander felt he was in a bizarre competition with the well-known Soviet serial killer Andrei Chikatilo, who had killed at least 53 people. Alexander initially claimed he wanted to kill 64 people, one for each square on a chessboard, but later on said that regardless of that, he would have kept on killing beyond this had he not been caught. Disturbingly, police actually found a chessboard in his belonging that had dates written on the different squares matching with the dates of his murders. Now, fortunately for those around him, Alexander was never able to completely fill out his chessboard of murder. Alexander Petrushkin is the 11th most prolific serial killer in recorded history, and is Russia's worst serial killer. One of his most infamous quotes sum up what kind of monster Alexander Petrushkin was, saying, For me, life without killing is like life without food for you. I felt like the father of all these people, since it was I who opened the door for them to another world. Now we'll be moving on to our third serial killer today, from Austria, Jack Unterweger. So Johann Jack Unterweger, known as Jack the Rider and the Vienna Strangler, was an Austrian serial killer who murdered at least 10 women in a span running from the 70s and into the 90s. His victims were all prostitutes, 
and his murders took place in several countries, including Austria, Czechoslovakia, and the United States. What is interesting about Unterweger is that he was released from prison after his first murder. He was able to convince the Austrian media that he was completely rehabilitated. However, this man proved that he can never truly trust a violent psychopath, as soon after his release from prison, he once again turned to murder. Jack Unterweger was born in 1950 to Theresia Unterweger, a Viennese barmaid and waitress. His father was an unknown American soldier. It is believed that Jack's mother was a prostitute, one of the leading theories as to why he would go on to target prostitutes later in his life. His mother was jailed for fraud while pregnant, but was released and then traveled to Graz where he was born. Soon after his birth, however, his mother was once again arrested in 1953 and Jack would be separated from her. For the next seven years after that, Jack Unterweger would live with his violent alcoholic grandfather. Supposedly, Jack shared a small shack-like house with his grandfather, who would often bring in prostitutes for his enjoyment. Having only one bed to share in the tiny shack, Unterweger was forced to bear witness whenever his grandfather had women over. This must have caused his sexually violent fantasies to grow even stronger through his adolescence. Between 1966 and 1975, he was convicted 16 times, mostly for sexual assault, and he would spend most of those nine years in jail. Soon thereafter, Jack committed his first murder, killing an 18-year-old prostitute by beating and then strangling her with her own bra, and was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 15 years. While in prison, however, Jack Unterweger attempted to transition to become a completely different person than the low-life criminal he was. He worked hard and soon became an author of short stories, poems, plays, and an autobiography titled Purgatory, or The Trip to Prison. Now at that time, there was a, a really big push in the Austrian prison system to try and achieve total rehabilitation and resocialization rather than just punishing criminals. And as the public grew in love with Jack's story of redemption, he pretty much became the poster boy of this movement, and the outside pressure of the media and public led to Jack being released after his minimum of 15 years in prison. After his release, Unterweger pretty much became a literary celebrity, appearing on talk shows, booking speaking engagements, and his story redemption was even taught in schools. His autobiography was made into a feature film, and the one-time murderer had pretty much become a bona fide celebrity. However, not everyone was convinced of his complete transformation. After a string of prostitute murders that matched the details of his first murder, police put Jack Unterweger under complete surveillance. During the time of his release, a sex worker in Prague was killed in a manner consistent with his M.O., and also six other Austrian prostitutes were found strangled, all just within one year of his release. Later on, he traveled to the U.S. on request to do a report on the difference between prostitution in America than Europe. And during his time in L.A., three more women were found beaten and then strangled to death with their own brassiers. The Nazis used identical in pattern with his first murder. Law enforcement eventually had enough evidence for his arrest, but Unterweger was long gone by the time they arrived at his home. So began an international cat-and-mouse game, as Jack Unterweger jumped from country to country while the police chased him. Even on the run, Jack would contact the Austrian media and assure them of his innocence. Finally, after law enforcement chased him through Europe, Canada, and the U.S., he was finally arrested by the FBI in Miami, Florida, in 1992. Unfortunately, rather than go through another trial and face what he had done, Jack Unterweger committed suicide at Graz Karlu Prison by hanging himself with a rope, made from shoelaces and a cord from the trousers of a tracksuit. 
It is reported that he used the same intricate knot to hang himself that he had used to strangle and murder several of his victims. Jack Unterweger, in my mind, can be compared somewhat to the infamous American serial killer Ted Bundy. Now, like Bundy, Jack was a decent looking guy and was known to be charismatic and a charmer. He was able to convince a lot of people for quite some time that he truly was an innocent man. Also, just like Ted, his preferred victim in mind were girls, specifically in Jack's case, female prostitutes. Jack Unterweger may not have killed as many people as the other serial killers I've discussed, but the ferocity of his crimes and the manner in which he was able to deceive an entire nation shows what a true psychopath he really was. He is also one of the few international serial killers, or those who have murdered in multiple different countries. Now, one last final disturbing fact about this case. Because he died before he could appeal his murder verdict, due to a technicality in Austrian law, Jack Unterweger is still officially considered an innocent man. Our final subject today, from Ukraine, Anatoly Onoprienko. Anatoly Onoprienko is the last serial killer I'll be discussing on this episode, and definitely the most disturbing in my opinion. This man holds a victim count of 52, of which it includes men, women, and even children. Onoprienko is known by several names, including the Beast of Ukraine and Citizen O, but he is most remembered simply as the Terminator. He referred to himself as the beast in human form, and would claim that he was on a supernatural mission of some kind to punish Ukraine and cleanse the world. He also liked to think of himself as more machine than man, uh, one time calling himself some sort of bio-robot designed only to kill. He was born in the Ukrainian SSR. Anatoly was the younger of two brothers. When he was still a young child, his mother passed away, and after a short period of time of being passed around between family members, he would be sent to an orphanage. Anatoly later stated that he hated his father for abandoning him while continuing to care for his older brother. Growing up in the orphanage was very hard on Anatoly, so hard that later on after he was caught, he stated that he murdered the children of his victims so they too would not have to suffer through growing up in such places. Anatoly Anaprienko murdered for the first time in 1989 at the age of 30, pretty late start for a serial killer. In this first attack, he and an accomplice planned on committing armed robbery to supplement their low income. In this very first attack, Anatoly approached a couple parked in their car. However, instead of attempting to rob them or command them to turn over their valuables, he simply walked up and fired his gun, killing them both. On this event, he would later state, I just shot them. It's not that it gave me pleasure, but I felt this urge. Later that same year, Anatoly and his partner attacked and killed an entire family, including children. After these attacks, Anna Prienko cut ties with his accomplice, and surprisingly he would not commit any further murders for seven years. However, once again in 1996, he felt the urge to kill consume him once again. In a span of just six months, he would go on to murder multiple families, killing a total of 43 people in this short period of time. He was given the nickname The Terminator and single-handedly brought terror to an entire country. During this time, he would invade homes, kill everyone inside, and take trophies and money away before setting the places on fire. And yet another disturbing quote, Anatoly mentions his most memorable attack, in which he murdered two parents and before turning his attention to their daughter, saying, Seconds before I smashed her head, I ordered her to show me where they cut their money. She looked at me with an angry, defiant stare and said, No, I won't. That strength was incredible, but I felt nothing. In a rare and disturbing fact, 
Anatoly Anaprienko almost never killed just one person at a time. In fact, nearly all his attacks resulted in the deaths of multiple people at one time, usually whole families. It is widely thought his hatred for his father and the abandonment of his own family as he was sent to live in an orphanage led him to willingly target families later on in life. Anatoly's usual MO would be to find an isolated house or car, sneak up to it, and survey the scene. He would then start his attack, killing his victims in order of those he perceived to be the greatest threat, starting with the adult males, followed by their spouse, and finally killing any children. His preferred weapon of choice was a sawed-off shotgun, a weapon he would use in the majority of his murders. However, he would also use blunt weapons like a hammer to maul several of his victims to death, and also hacked a few people with an axe. In many cases, he would torch the scene of his crime, along with the bodies of his victims with gasoline. Now, During his span of murders, Ukraine was in a state of panic. No one could seem to stop the Terminator. 2,000 police investigators were working the case and attempting to catch Anatoly. When more murders continued, several thousand army troops were stationed around cities and towns to try and stop this man. Anna Priyanka would say that he would watch the troops and police through the binoculars as he scoped out his next targets, confident that they would never catch him. Fortunately though, after months of searching, the police finally caught a break and went to Anatoly's apartment after a tip from a neighbor. Expecting the return of his girlfriend at the time, he opened the door without checking first. The police had taken him by surprise. Later, Anna Priyanka would say that if he had seen the police outside his door, he would have gunned them all down before they could react rather than be arrested. As the police searched his place, they found his prized shotgun, which carried matching shells to those found at the scene of several murders. Also, many of the items that he had stolen from homes and taken off the bodies of his victims were found in his belonging, proving he was linked to dozens of murders. Anatoly Anaprienko would narrowly avoid the death sentence as Ukraine entered the Council of Europe and abolished executions. Thus, he was sentenced to life in prison and stayed locked up until he died of a heart attack in 2013 at the age of 54. As for his legacy, Anaprienko is the ninth most prolific serial killer of all time, murdering 52 people and possibly even a few more. Anatoly Anaprienko is one of the most ruthless and cold-blooded killers I have ever come across. He is quoted during one of his interviews stating, I feel absolutely no pity for any of those who I killed. I am a much better person than any of them. And later on another quote saying, I was killing because it was the formula of life I had to follow. I don't think about them now. They are nothing. They are dust to me. This man is a truly disturbing case, and honestly several times during my research process of him, I would need to take mental breaks just to clear my mind. There really is no American serial killer who I can think of who even comes close to matching Anna Prienko, both in terms of the number of his victims or his attitude of killing literally anyone who got in his way while feeling no remorse. Very few serial killers in general would go so far as to kill entire families at a time. The fact that Anatoly had the ability to kill men, women, and even young children without feeling a shred of remorse makes him one of the most ruthless serial killers and one of the worst human beings I've ever seen. I hope and pray that we will never see the likes of him again. And now that wraps up our last killer for this discussion, and marks the end of the first episode in this new series for the Strange Matters podcast. These four men I've discussed are just a handful of European serial killers, but there are a few that have always stood out to me. Since there are so many interesting murderers that came from Europe, I will surely come back to visit this region of the world in the future. But for the next set of episodes in the series, I will jump to other areas of the globe. If any listeners have any suggestions as to what continent or countries you would like me to look into for further discussions, or to discuss any of the killer crimes I've presented in this episode, please feel free to reach me and send feedback at our email, strangematterspodcast at gmail.com. 
you can comment, listen, and download episodes at our website, strangematterspodcast.com. If you would like to connect with us on social media, we have a Facebook page and Twitter. Also, I'd like to ask that if you have a few minutes to spare and would like to help the show and give us feedback, we have a listener survey going on right now, which you can find links to on our website or through our social media. Finally, we ask if you are listening on iTunes and enjoy the show, please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It means a lot to us and helps promote the show. With that, take care until the next episode of the Strange Matters Podcast. See you later, everyone.